This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be in God's house today, isn't it not? If you're... Uh, here for the first time with us, we give you a uh, great welcome. And if you're joining with us online, uh, thanks for tuning uh, in. Can any of you tell me what you think the common thread is between bonfire night, boxing day, and holidays? Anybody tell me? I figured none of you would know. I didn't know either until I prepared this message, until I did some research to understand that the word holiday has its origination in the word holy day. You know, a friend of mine called uh, John McCallum was across here uh, from America in the summer. And when he came across uh, from America in the summer, great guy, he's the head of velocity sales at our company, and he came across to help us build, help us build our team. And I remember one night as I uh, walked to the car with him, and we're there with our, um, our, with our bags, and we finished uh, at the office for the night, and he walked up and he says, Phil, he said to me, will you pop the trunk? And I said, you what? <laughs> he says, can you pop the trunk? And I said, look, I'm sorry, John, I have no idea what you're on about. What do you think he was saying when he said, can you pop the trunk? Yeah, okay, clearly you're all more American than I am. And I turned around to him and I felt I had to correct him there and then. I said, Mr. McCallum, I said, you are in Great Britain now. You need to use British phraseology. Did you mean, can you open the boot? Because if you mean, can I open the boot, I will do. I am definitely not popping the hood. <laughs> but the thing is this, what do Americans call holidays? Yes, and you know, for once, the Americans are right. So what the Americans do is to differentiate between a holiday or the word holiday has its root in holy day. So to differentiate the time between a vacation where we just go and chillax and enjoy ourselves and go to the beach or some of you go on a you fly and flop and go to Spain or Italy in case you're in the, if you're Andrea, she loves going to Italy. We all fly away for a time of vacation. But the word holiday is reserved for holy day. And do you know that's where Guy Fawkes comes from originally? Is all, you're, you're all will be aware of the gunpowder plot, but if you look up on Wiki, Wikipedia, as I did the research, it is actually a day that is that the nation is to give thanks for the fact that Parliament never got blow, blown up and our democracy still stands today. Yes, I gotta be careful. <laughs> What I say when I say that, because I'm pretty sure the last couple of months, it's felt like Parliament has blown up and we've lost democracy, hasn't it? What's Boxing Day? Well, yes, the history of it is when, just like we do at Operation Christmas Child, is we give a box to other people. It has its history. Boxing Day would be a day that the servants would be given off. So remember, those of you that like Downton Abbey, how many of you like Downton Abbey? 
yes, yes, love a bit of Downton Abbey, eh? Yes, yes. And, well, all the servants that would be uh, uh, looking after the household would be given the day after Christmas Day, because they'd been serving the family in all the festivities, they would be given the day off and would usually be given a box for them to go home to wherever they were, maybe with some food in it, maybe a small gift, and that's where we have our term Boxing Day. Where's the term bank holiday come from? Well, it's the time when the Bank of England is closed. And I love a bank holiday, do you? No money gets taken out of your bank account on a bank holiday. That's great, isn't it? Uh, equally, no money goes into your bank account on a bank But it's a time when the Bank of England and the banks are on holiday. Why? Because it's a holy day. It's a day that has been engineered by society or created by society for us to celebrate certain things. And it has its origin, holiday or holy day, has its origin in scripture. That we would set certain days or certain times aside as holy days, that we would stop working and that we would spend time in reflection and meditation and worship and thankfulness for all that God has done. In fact, the Sabbath, or one day a week, is actually a holiday. It's a holy day. And for those of us that uh, take the first day of the week, as it is today on Sunday, we take that time aside to what? To say thank you and to express gratitude for all God has done for us. Are you thankful this morning? Are you thankful this morning for what God has done for you? My message to you this morning, before we turn to the scriptures this morning, my message for you is uh, the title of which I struggled with for quite some weeks before pulling this message together, and I've decided to entitle this message after a phrase that my father would use repeatedly when praying. Some of you that are here in the congregation would uh, know my father that passed away nine years ago. My father lived a life of gratitude and quite often when he was praying he would just simply say thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't know why you would say it three times. Maybe there's power in three. We all know that in the Bible, the power of three. But quite often, Dad, when he was praying, he would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the title of my message to you today is simply entitled that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's turn to God's word um, together. I've got two scriptures that I want to share before we pray together and ask God's blessing on his word this morning. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. As we consider the topic of thank you, thank you, thank you. The first is from Psalm 9 verse 1. If you have not yet downloaded the U version Bible onto your phone, will you please do that when you get home? It's great to have a Bible if you have your phone Pull it out of your pocket, flick it up right now, and have a look at Psalm, chapter, Psalm 9, verse 1. It says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. What a great verse. Okay, just three of us think that. What a great verse. 
I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, I will tell of your wonderful deeds. Maybe you say that with me this morning as a cry from our hearts. Repeat after me. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I don't know why I said repeat with me and then went and said it with you. And then the second passage of scripture from the New Testament, from the New Covenant, the words of Paul to the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and 2 verses, verse 16 and 17. Before we look at this principle of thank you, thank you, thank you. Paul says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And what Paul is saying there when he says the message of Christ is talking about the gospel. Remember the message that Andrea talked to us about, are you content with the content? The message and the fullness of Jesus Christ is all held up in what we call the message, the word of God. He says, let the message or let the gospel of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful today. We are thankful for our health. We are thankful for our breath. We are thankful that we had a meal for breakfast today. We are thankful for so many things. We thank you for a bed to sleep in overnight safely. But above all of these things, Lord, we are thankful for Jesus. And we're thankful for the message of the power of the gospel that has come to us. That regardless of things materially, regardless of things around us, we know that our lives are complete with you at the center of it. So, Lord, as we turn to your word this morning for a few moments and reflect on the principle of thankfulness that is a key virtue for us in our Christian lives, Lord, will you presence yourself amongst us in a real and a mighty way, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, psychology, how your brain works. Do you know how your brain works? I don't. I don't. I know some of you are looking at me right now and you're thinking, I wonder if his brain sometimes works at all. Are you? In fact, others of you here are thinking, has he even got one in the middle of his cranium? Yeah, well, I, I don't know, but I often wonder how our brain works. Do you? I mean, it is amazing. It is an amazing thing that I could get. In fact, come out here, Martin. Here's a fine species and an example of a man right here. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, look at this. Look at the fine, you know, athletic body that he's got. 
But in here, sorry, but he's going to go off for a head injury assessment right now. In here is a very important organ in his body. Agreed? I mean, there's a couple of things he can learn to live without, isn't it? In fact, if you're coming here and say, has anybody got a saw here? Can we chop his arm off? We could chop his arm off. Throw that to the lions, can we? We could come over here. We could chop this off. Throw it to the lions. We could, we could even, anybody need a kidney today? Anybody need a kidney? We could even get rid of one of his kidneys today. And we could sell it online if we were that way inclined. Isn't that crazy? He, there's certain bits of his body he can live without. Believe it or not, he can live without his big nose. Uh, sorry, his... <laughs> It's called a Roman nose. Roman all over his face. No, but, it's, but we could he could live without his nose, couldn't he? He could live without his eyes, couldn't he? The Bible tells us if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Whoa. Good man, you still got your eyes. Keep looking in the right places, mate. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing that we know he cannot live without. What is that? His brain. His brain. In fact, we know that we can actually live even without a ticker, can we? My mother-in-law was here today. She goes for an MOT every year on her heart pacemaker to make sure that it's still running properly because it's a little battery that is actually keeping my mother-in-law alive. God bless her. Those of you that are here in church maybe are the guests today. You've not met my mother-in-law before. You have. You've seen her. She's on the Welsh flag. That is my... Oh, did I say... Did I say... Oh, no, I look... I love my mother-in-law, but she has a little battery that I must confess. I must confess on occasions, I wish we could just take that battery out, put it back in again. But sometimes she goes for an MOT test just to check that everything is running properly. And thank God it is. And she's alive and well. She's not well in this morning, she uh, can't be with us in church to hear all of my jokes, which is maybe just as well, because I'd be criticized when I get home. But he cannot live without his brain. He can live with pretty much most of the things man-made that we can create. He cannot live without his brain. Agreed? And our brain is a key part that the scripture talks about that we need to keep healthy. Romans 12 verse 1 says to us that we must transform our minds by renewing our minds. And we re renew our minds through knowledge and through understanding and through wisdom. That's what Solomon, the wisest man on earth, wrote in the book of Proverbs. Read it when you get home. He tells us to seek understanding that we might be changed. So, as he takes a seat, will you give a big round of applause and thank him for the fine species of a brain that he is on top. And referring to the brain, what we've been doing in recent years is researching loads of different things about how our brain works. And particularly over the last 30, 40 years, something phenomenal has happened in psychology and in science. In that, instead of doing what we used to do when it comes to psychology, and I'm well aware that there's uh, people uh, here like Kate and people like uh, Andrea here that are, are more qualified to speak on this subject than I am, so I apologize um, right now. But one thing I do know is this, because of my research on the internet, is that what we used to do in psychology was 
research unhealthy people, people that had broken brains and people that had life-controlling problems in an effort to find out what was wrong with them so that we could fix them. And something fantastic has happened in the last uh, 30, 40 years specifically is no longer are we studying unhealthy people to discover what is right and wrong about us. We are now studying healthy people. And we're trying to work what is the secret of their health. So why are the Japanese as a culture the most, there's less mental illness in Japan than any other continent on earth and they live longer. Why is that? Well, I think it should be a good thing for us to research why that is. Do you want to live longer? Do you want to be healthy? Right. Well, let's look at the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says. Because one of the things that's happened recently, and the earliest study I can find online researching this, is a study on the principle of thankfulness and gratitude. And that's why I've decided to um, entitle a message to you this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you, is I want to share with you and I want your minds to be transformed by the word of God today from the text and the scriptures that we have read together, the life-changing power that can be yours by living a life of thankfulness and gratitude as Paul taught and as the psalmist writes. Your life can be changed today by the power of thankfulness. Simply by a thank you, thank you, thank you, your life can be changed. In fact, there's a study that was conducted by a daughter, Dr. Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania. You can research it online. But he did this, this study of three groups of people. So you wanted three groups of people, ones to reflect for 60 days. For 60 days, every single day, to reflect on things that they were grateful or thankful about. Like we prayed at the beginning of this message, that we thank you for our health. We thank you that we have clothes to wear today. We thank God for so many different things in our lives. And that principle, he asked for one group of people to exercise daily in their lives thankfulness for another group of people on the other side he asked them for 60 days to focus on everything that they thought was wrong in the world that this was wrong that this needed to be in fact he encouraged them to complain and to write down all of their complaints every single day of all the things that they were complaining about complaining about brexit Complaining about Boris Johnson, maybe. Complaining about Trump. Complaining about all the things that we could complain about if we want to. Complain about the food. <laughs> complain about everything. So he encouraged them to do that. And with another group of people, he asked them to just be neutral. Just to reflect every single day on anything that would come into their head. And just write it down, what they were thinking about. And to write it. Guess what happened? in this research by Dr. Martin Seligman. When he went and interviewed them after 60 days, guess what happened? Who do you think were the happiest group of people that he interviewed and how they felt and how they had slept and how they felt about life in general? Guess who, you th guess who was the best group of people that were um, you know, ex uh, showing uh, better mental health? Guess which group? 
right, the positive group that were thankful, that were taking time aside as a holy day. As a holy day. Taking time and moment, whether it was a minute, a second, an hour, a day, to reflect on gratefulness in their lives. Guess which people then were second? The ones that were neutral. And the ones that were worse? The ones that were complaining. Boy, has our nation got good at complaining. And it? Oh, you, we can complain about Rugby World Cup results, can't we? <laughs> Won't go there this morning. We can complain about referees. We can, we can complain. We can, it's easy to complain. Can I start having a good morn and a groan? In fact, do you want a, a complaining message this morning? Or do you want something that will encourage your heart this morning? We know that our very brains are changed are transformed with the power of thankfulness and gratitude. Well, tell me then, if this is a fundamental virtue in our lives as Christians, why are so many Christians so miserable? Can you help me out? I believe, and dare I say it, I believe that it's possibly because they don't practice what they preach. Because I know the people that do practice what they preach are incredibly thankful and grateful for all they have. And there was nobody that lived that example to me greater than my father. And when I was a child and he was in church, I was to think, well, Dad, why was he saying that three times all the time? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you maybe that are listening online that know my father, you can... You can hear it right now. You're back. I think I saw, heard you, Brian Ayres, laughing earlier on because you remember it right now. You remember right now when my father would pray, he would say, Thank you, Lord. Diolch Yesi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe what we need to do is exercise more thankfulness in our lives. So I want to give you, if I may, seven practical ways that we can today, in the next hour, in the next week, in the next part of our lives, improve our mental health, transform our lives, and win more friends, and become more popular because everybody's going to want to be around you because you're not miserable anymore. As we exercise thankfulness in our lives. But thankfulness must be something that we do out of a place that is genuinely grateful. Two things before I share these um, seven principles with you. We cannot be thankful out of obligation. If there is a feeling of indebtedness, with us, you know, God came by his grace to send us his son. And the love that Jesus Christ talks about compels us. Because he gave his son to us, it's a healthy place of love that we come to Jesus and we come to God and we say, thank you for coming into my heart and life. That's the difference between faith and religion. 
You see, religion is all about do's and don'ts. I must do this. I must do that. There's freedom in Christ because Jesus simply says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he comes from a place of love. We want to see everybody here in church on Sundays coming to praise him, not because it's your spiritual obligation to be in church on Sunday. We want you to be in church here on Sunday worshiping with the people of God because you want to be here. If you don't want to be here and you'd sooner be elsewhere, do you know what I'd say to you? I'm just being honest. Go elsewhere. Because we have to sort our, sort our hearts out before God. If you're not like me, and people ask me sometimes, why are you so, you know, when, when you come in and praising God, like, you can't stop me moving in the presence of God or raising my hands because it compels me. I am so grateful. I am so thank you, thank you, thank you to God for what he's done for me that it compels me to live my life this way. Or oh, we could be miserable. We can go to church. What are you doing today? Go to church. Why? Because what Christians do, they go to church on Sunday, see? All right. Going to church on Sunday doesn't make you any more of a Christian than going into McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love God with all our hearts. We cannot do it out of obligation. And a tougher word, too. We cannot do it out of indebtedness. Oh, there's a destructive force in life, isn't it? You see what controlling, toxic people do in our lives and in your life, if they are around you, they want you to feel indebted towards them. That you should be grateful that they are even in your life. That you should be grateful that they even said yes to you and married you. That you get the privilege to make him dinner. <laughs> what? Or that you get the honor of her presence. That's what indebtedness does. It's from a controlling, terrible, evil place. Are we indebted to God? Are we? Are we? Come on, I'm asking you. In the, con in the concept of this word that we use in the 21st century, indebted. Yes, I'm indebted. I'm indebted as a prisoner of the Lord. And in the, the correct attitude that God would have us to connect with his word and connect with the grace of God, not by works of righteousness that I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved me. So am I thankful and grateful? I absolutely am. Do I feel indebted? Yes, I am. But I am certainly not going to do like some monks would do. And for some psychotic reason, would feel that I need to climb up a mountain uh, on my hands and knees until there's blood on my knees so that I am fulfilling some kind of psychological repayment to God for what he has done for me. No, I'm a child of God. I'm a king of kings. Sorry, I'm a son of the king of kings. Whoa, heresy. <laughs> I'm a son of the king of kings. And so he, in the message of the prodigal, killed the fatted calf and is celebrating me and says, come to father and home. And I'm home today. 
Not in an ungrateful way, though, that I watch in a God's house and say, well, thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'll just chew gum, stick my feet on the furniture. Thank you, Lord. No. That we come in a reverence. We come in a commitment to God that doesn't come from indebtedness, doesn't come from obligation, but it comes from a wonderful, holy, sanctified place of gratitude and thankfulness so that we can say thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'm enjoying preaching this message. I hope you're enjoying listening to it. So how? Seven ways quickly as we close. Number one, prayer. Prayer is such a key. If you want to transform your Christian life and your walk with God and your walk with people and your walk with your friends and your walk with your family and you want to transform your marriage and you want to transform your parenting and you want to transform everything in your life should come with a government health warning on it. Literally should, should come with our... Be careful, don't read God's word, and be careful, please don't pray. When I change, miracles happen. When I pray, sorry, miracles happen. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. And prayer is a fundamental where you can't be coming to God, can you, without an attitude of gratitude, can you? That we come to God and we thank him for so many things. That's why we say grace. The kids in our house, you know, sometimes they say, oh, you know, we've got to say grace again. Yes, we've got to say grace. We say grace because we get the privilege of having a meal that day. I hope you say grace. Look, even if you're McDonald's and you're just about to put some fast food, say a fast prayer. And just before you lop it in, just take a moment in an attitude of gratitude. Take a holiday for a second. Take a holy day. Take a holy moment and say, God, I thank you that I get to eat this processed food. <laughs> that we get to have our food. I hope you are thankful and grateful. Prayer. Secondly, meditation. You see, prayer is us making our requests known to God. Meditation is God speaking to us. That in the middle of our situation, as we say thanks to him for all that he has, maybe he wants to speak to us. And that we come and as we make a request known to him, as Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, O Lord, I lay my requests before you and wait in humble expectation. Wait in humble expectation. If you don't ask in the morning... You ain't going to get your replies in humble expectation. You expecting nothing if you didn't ask. Number one, prayer. Number two, meditation. Number three, contemplation. Considering the things of God. That we come before him and we say, Lord, about this promotion. That I know it sounds good that it's coming my way. But is this your will for me and my family? That we contemplate these things before God. We bring our hearts before him and for our children and for so many things in our lives that we bring it all to God in prayer. Wouldn't that be a good thing? That we do it in contemplation. In fact, contemplation is not that the very act 
that we do in that little hymn that we all used to sing years and years ago. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And we've become churches and we've become Christians that we don't count them so often these days. Count his many blessings that we got to share a moment with Caelan in God's house this morning. Are you grateful and thankful? Some of us will never forget that moment until the day we die. Like, what a wonderful moment that we get to share that with Caelan this morning. Number one, prayer. Number two, meditation. Number three, contemplation. Number four, writing. There's power in writing. There is power in writing. Any of you write? Some of you write badly, maybe like me. But there's power in writing. You know, Habakkuk talks about, he says, write the vision, write it down so someone can run with it. There's a principle in scripture. My father used to do lists and then throw them away. And I've still quite often wondered, he says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm not writing it to remember. I'm writing them so that I have remembered. And it never, I, I, what on earth are you on about? Try it. You can remember seven things very, very easily if you write them down. If you write them down on a piece of paper, something happens in a visual kind of cortex that it, we can actually picture some of those things on it. Weird things that happens with your brain. Believe it or not, you can remember a 52-card pack, pack of cards if you put your mind to it. But writing, journaling, that maybe some of us need to pen every day and write down, what are we thankful for? My friend Richard Tubb does this every day. He's an agnostic. He doesn't know where he is with faith, with, uh, faith at this moment in time. He's on a journey. But one thing he knows, that his mental health is way, way better when he takes time to reflect and write two or three things every single day that he's grateful for. Maybe he had been listening to Dr. Martin Seligman. Or send a message to someone. Okay, maybe I haven't got time to write, but have you got time maybe to send somebody a text message today? I mean, it's going to take you 15 seconds. Maybe less if you're a millennial. You don't even have to look at your phone. You can just go to the Hey, thinking of you today, hope you're having a nice day. Having an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness for a friend. What will that make to your friend? What would that do for your life today? Or take time to pen a letter to a long-lost friend. Something I've started doing things a lot, lot more recently is going back to pen and paper and writing notes to people, putting it in an envelope and sending it away. You know, thankfulness for so many people that have had an influence and an effect on my life. Number one, prayer. Number two, meditation. Number three, contemplation. Number four, writing. We're running out of time, so I'll be quick on the last three. Number five, speak to someone. Live like Ken. Do you remember? Live like Ken. Be kind. Be encouraging. And be nice. Just be nice today. The queue in Tesco. You go before me. Be nice. Be kind. Believe it or not, I challenge you. You exercise kindness. See how it'll change your life. You can't buy somebody a cup of coffee without something divine happening in your spirit because you have now served someone else. Speak to someone today. Maybe speak to somebody at church this morning who's been on your heart and be kind and encourage them and be nice to them. Encourage Caleb this morning. Go speak to the Ayers family this morning after church. Just say, wow, that was amazing this morning. Go speak to Reese after and say, 
Reese, I wish I could play drums like you or do like me that I do every single Sunday in it, Russ. What I come up and say to you every single Sunday, because I love him with his guitar. If there was one instrument I wish I could play, I play great air guitar, nothing else. But I wish I could play guitar like Russell plays. So every morning after church, I feel compelled, particularly this morning, you rocked Emmanuel there this morning. It was just really brilliant. It was spot on. If you go listen to the track online, it was spot on. I appreciate you and I'm thankful for you using your gift for us so that it changes me, so it helps me worship there this morning because as I'm praising God, I'm thinking, whoa, that is so cool. I wish I could do that too. Don't you feel like that? Well, go say thank you then. Number six, gift giving. Oh, we all like a gift, don't we, ladies? If you like it, put a ring on it, eh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hey. That was, that was my idea of a dance, yeah. And all, like, all the millennials are dying now as I did a dad dance to, yeah, whatever. But do you like a gift, ladies? Like a nice little sparkling diamond. Bigger the better. It's not the, co- it's not the thought that counts. It's the size. But there's nothing like a gift. Small stuff sometimes. I went uh, away to London a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Ruth and I stayed a night together before Ruth was flying away to Ghana. And it's the small things that count. The intentionality and the thankfulness. I got up the next morning and I was up and out early and I was staying in that same hotel room that I'd shared on Sunday night with Ruth. For the next three days, wherever I went to open a drawer, there was a little note on the hotel stationery. A little message from Ruth, I love you, with a little heart on it. In that lush? In that lush? I go and I put my shoe on. I go get my shoes. The next thing is a little note in there. I love you. Dotted all. I couldn't go into anything. I was scared to even unroll the toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) It was was the right way after I'd corrected it at the hotel. Yes, it was over and under. But gift giving and kindness and sometimes it's just a simple note is just such a wonderful attitude in life, isn't it? To know that you're loved and appreciated. And then lastly, seventh, serving. There's nothing like serving one another, is that? Putting a towel on our arms like Jesus did and serving one another. Like Caris serves me so often in the house without question so often she's a phenomenal tea maker is my daughter Caris she is a champion at it and what I love about her tea making is she does she doesn't hide that gift that sometimes if I'm in the office or whatever it is I'm on a conference call I'm working she'll just walk in tiptoeing in and she'll say I love you dad cup of tea making tea for people such a gift just serving one another how many of you husbands wives get cups of tea in the morning means a lot doesn't it come on i can see one up there i can see yeah okay i can see one another i remember winston thomas 
And uh, what's uh, Winston's wife's name? Sarah's. No, that's oh, sorry, Dawn. Your mum. Your mum's name. Mum's name. You, you know, uh, you know, every single day, uh, he would bring Eunice a cup of tea. I'll never forget that from the funeral. And uh, every single day. And one of the things Winston would wish the most is that he now doesn't have the luxury of taking his wife a cup of tea every single morning. That stayed with me. Power of just a cup of tea. Are you feeling thankful this morning? Are you? I know I'm going on, but you get the message. I'll continue preaching. We'll be here till five o'clock if you don't get this message. What's the message called? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you thankful? Are you grateful? Well, let's live it and let it transform our lives. Let's stand as we sing and as Caris leads us to close. Thank you. Come on, I'll praise the name. No, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. No, praise the This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.